So we're going to conclude Partners in the Gospel, which has been the first two chapters in Philippians. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to pick up in chapter 3 in Philippians. Uh, We're going to start a new series in chapter 3. And so we're going to continue on through the book. And it will basically be two more series within the rest of that book, chapter 3 and chapter 4. And so we, we, in a nutshell, have been looking at what it looks like for us to be partnered together in the, in the greatest mission that anyone could ever be called to. And, and that's what we're all called to as Christians. It's the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what God has called us to individually. But he's called us as a congregation to partner together, to strive side by side in unity, to, to forgive one another, to love, one, to love one another, to work together for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we look at the, the end of chapter 2 in Philippians... The Apostle Paul begins to talk about two of his spiritual sons. He begins to talk about Timothy and Epaphroditus. And as I began to look at the end of chapter 2, and, and I knew that, 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 I had, that this was going to be towards the end of this series, this first series, I was kind of confused about what I was going to do with this section because it's really not a straightforward section to teach, to teach a lot of application in our personal life or, or, or doctrines of, of the faith. It was just kind of communication about two of his spiritual sons and their usefulness to him in, in the ministry. And as I begin to think about it, as I begin to think about what we're focusing on here about being partners in the gospel, I begin to think about my kids, about my sons, my physical sons and daughters. And I begin to think about spiritual sons and daughters in the faith that are here at at Living Word. And I begin to think about the next generation. As the Apostle Paul was speaking about Timothy and Epaphroditus in these um, powerful ways, speaking about their usefulness and how God was using them. And, 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 calling, and calling Timothy his son, I just was thinking about how that's what I want for my kids. Isn't that what you want for your kids and your grandkids? Isn't that what we want for the next generation of, of, of young people that are going to be raised up? We want to see the gospel move forward in their lives. One of my greatest desires in my life is that my kids would be transformed by Christ as Christ has transformed me. That is the, the greatest desire I have for my kids is that, is that they would not just adopt my faith. That they would not just follow in my footsteps and only follow my faith and not have their own. One of the greatest desires I have is that my kids and that the next generation of young people in this church would have their own faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the, the effectiveness of a church into the next generation is really contingent upon how well we do that as parents and grandparents, as spiritual leaders and mentors within the body of Christ. How well are we going to mentor the next generation? How well are we going to make sure that we are influencing them for Christ? And, and, and if we lose sight of that, if we lose sight of that objective, that we have to pass this on, Right? One of these days, I'm going to die, you're going to die, and all of us that, that, that have kids, we're going to move on, and our kids are going to take our place. One of these days, there's going to be somebody that, if the Lord tarries and we're still here, there's going to be somebody else that's going to fill this pulpit. There'll be someone else that's going to be leading worship. There's going to be somebody else opening the doors. There'll be somebody else handing out bulletins. There'll be another sound man. There'll be, there'll be other people doing many different things, running cameras. There'll be new people, and it's the next generation. We have to have our eyes on it. We can't have spiritual myopia, where we, we, we're so nearsighted that all we see in our life as, as adults, as spiritually mature leaders, 
that all we see is right here and right now and what God has called us to. We have to, in one hand, be faithful to what God has called us to, but in the other hand, we have to be looking ahead. We have to be looking forward. How can I prepare? How can we prepare the next generation of godly young men and women so that they can be raised up to carry the torch, to carry it on, to move forward? And as I was looking at Timothy and Epaphroditus, that's what stirred up in my heart. And so the message this morning is titled, For Our Sons and Daughters. For Our Sons and Daughters. And so let's read Philippians 2, these verses where the Apostle Paul talks about his spiritual sons. And let's see what the Lord's going to speak to our hearts about this next generation. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son... With the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that surely I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And so these lives, the lives of these two servants, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and the way in which Paul communicates about them really stirred my heart about the next generation of young people, kids, children, teenagers, young adults. It stirred my heart and the descriptions with which the Apostle Paul described Timothy and Epaphroditus and their commitment to the gospel. I thought, Lord, that is what we want. That is what we desire but, we're get, but we have to be intentional and proactive and, and think about it if we're going to see this ministry, see this church, see the gospel move forward in our personal lives, in our families. And if we're going to see it move forward in this church years past us, we, we have to be intentional with how we raise up the next generation. Are you with me this morning? So I, I, there, 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 there's really two admonitions that we're going to give, that I'm going to give concerning how we have to think about this next generation. What are some thoughts we need to think about if, if we're going to raise up some Timothys and some Epaphroditus? And then, and then just one last, I have one last thought of just a challenge for us as we conclude this sermon. So the first thing that we need to think about. If we are going to raise up Timothys and Epaphroditus that are going to, as Paul said about Timothy, he said, I have no one like him. And then he said about Epaphroditus, he said, he said, honor such men who are willing to give their life for the gospel. That's what I want to see. And so if we're going to see that, the first thought that, that came to my mind is this, is that our sons and daughters have indispensable value in the life of the church. Our sons and our daughters, our kids, our children, our young people, they have indispensable value in the life of a church, of this church. Indispensable value. Isn't that what Paul said about Timothy there? Philippians 2, 20 through 21. Let's look back at it. Look what he says there. For I have no one like him. That's what we want to say 
about our children. Is that not what we want to say? I have no one like him. And what is he saying there? He's not saying that he's just, that Timothy's different than anyone else. He's, he's saying that I have no one like him with that type of character, with that type of integrity, with that type of desire to serve and meet my needs and to be concerned about, about someone else's needs and your needs above his own. He said, I have no one like him. And that's what I want to see developed in the life of this church and in, in my kid's life and in your kid's life. But we have to have this mindset that our kids, our sons and our daughters have indispensable value. Church is not just for adults. Church is not for us to come and just as adults gather together and worship God. If it stops there and we fail to develop into the next generation these qualities of the gospel and how it impacts their life. If we fail to do that, then we've missed one of the major points of what the gospel is all about. The gospel is about generations after us. Our kids, our sons, your kids, the kids in the children's ministry right now. The youth that meet at, 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 at Elevate on Wednesdays. The young, the young adults at Chad and Kaiser Young's house on Fridays when they meet. Our young people, our kids, our children, they have indispensable value. Our attitude towards the next generation of young people should be one of hope and expectancy, not tolerance or burden. Have you parents in here, you ever been burdened by your kids? Anybody? Been burdened? Yeah, somebody, someone shook their head no. Well, I don't know what kind of kids you raised, <laughs> but my kids are a burden from time to time. And look, it's not easy if you're in kids ministry or you're in youth ministry. It's, it's not easy with young kids. They can be a burden. It can be a sense that we just got to get to church. We got to drop them off at the nursery. We got to drop them off with the people that can tolerate them for an hour, hour and a half so I can come and worship the Lord. No. No, 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 we, 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 we do this together. We're worshiping together. The next generation are in, have indispensable value to the life of this church. We are all together, one church family. And if we're going to impact them in, in powerful ways and see the character qualities of Timothy and Epaphroditus developed in their hearts and in their lives, we have to see them not, not as a burden, not as, as getting in the way to actually real ministry. We have to see them as being a part of the family, and that's what I thought about, that we are partners together, all of us, young and old, partnered together, but we must see it as such. Listen to how Paul speaks about Timothy. Well, before I get to this in First Timothy, I, I just want to read this. Our kids will never develop the indispensable qualities of Timothy if we see them as a hindrance to our agenda. Our kids will never develop the indispensable qualities of Timothy or Epaphroditus, if we see them as only a hindrance to what we're trying to do here at church, or what we're trying to do here in the community, our kids are a part of the work of the ministry. And we always, I want our kids ministry and our youth ministry and our young adult ministry to continue to thrive and to push forward. And, and there's always opportunities for you here at Living Word. If you're looking for a place to serve, I'm here to tell you, there's always opportunities. You talk, talk to, 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 to Matt and Chandra, our children's pastors. Talk to Dom. Talk to Chad Young. Talk to those that are leading the, the, the youth and the, and the young adults here at Living Word Church. They will use you. They will put you to service. They will put you to work being mentors to these young people. They're not a burden. They're part of the family. And when you stop and think about it, let's think about it. One of these days, our kids, they're going to take over. Can be scary to think about, right? (laughs) Especially if we don't do our due diligence. 
but they're going to take over the world. <laughs> they're going to they're going to they're going to be the next generation of leaders and we must be intentional to see it and to recognize it and to prioritize it. Listen to how Paul spoke about Timothy. Listen to his admonitions to his son in the faith. 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says to Timothy, "My true child in the faith." Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he says there. He says, my true child in the faith. This I, I charge, this, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. I, I love that right there. I love it. You got a young man. Prophecies have been made about Timothy, about who he was going to be and the work he was going to have as a pastor. And listen to what Paul tells Timothy. He says, my son, my child in the faith, the Lord has spoken over your life. The Lord has purpose for your life. The Lord has things for you to accomplish. And I want you to be reminded of that. Isn't that not what we're called to do? To speak to the potential in the next generation. To not be so nearsighted that we forget that that God has placed gifts and callings inside of them. And may we always be people, adults, spiritual leaders, mentors. May we always be a church that looks for the potential, that sees the potential, that prophesies and speaks over our young people and says that there are gifts and there are callings, there are anointings, and there are things that God has set you apart for. And we begin to mentor them and raise them up. Amen? Hey, man, you guys aren't excited as I am. I got to preach you excited here. Listen to what he says there. Next section, 1 Timothy 4. Let no one despise you for your youth. Let no one despise you. What does it mean to despise someone? It means to look down on them. It means to look down on them. Let no, it's, Paul's telling Timothy, let no one despise you or look down on you because you're young. But, but instead, do what? But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I love that. That's so good. You know what we should desire for our kids? Because they have indispensable value in the life of the church. We should, des- we should desire that they would make us look bad as adults. They, they should set an example. They should set an example of faith, of love, in, and, 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 and purity. That they should set an example for us and demonstrate to us what it looks like to be passionate for the Lord. If you're older here today, if you're an adult and you're older, you're not a young person here today. Have you lost your fire? Have you lost your passion? Does it bother you when you see young people passionate for the Lord and you just think, oh, I'll just calm down a little bit. You know, it's going to be okay, you know. No. When the young people are passionate and they're moving and they're dancing and they're shouting and they're excited, it should be something welling up. Maybe we can't move like we used to, but we should celebrate when they're able to move, when they're able to work, when they're able to passionately worship the Lord. We shouldn't look down on it. We shouldn't despise them because of their youth, but we should celebrate them because of what God is doing in their life. Paul says to Timothy, set an example. And listen to this, verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. That's so good. I love it. Such, such, such authority that was passed on and, and gifts and callings passed on. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see 
your progress. It's what I want. It's what we want. That the next generation, that we can see them, we see them year after year progressing, growing in their faith, growing in their passion, growing in their love, growing in their devotion to to the scripture, growing in their devotion to worship, growing in in their devotion for, for each other and love for the family of God. We have to have this mindset that our children, our sons and daughters are in, have indispensable value in the life of this church. Paul doesn't marginalize young Timothy, but instead he calls him to wage the good warfare. Set the believers an example. Devote yourselves to public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have. He doesn't say go to the corner, go to your classroom, go, go, go to elevate, separate. No, he says, he says, be a part, serve, be used, use your giftings. It's the next generation. They have indispensable value. Our sons and daughters have indispensable value. What did Jesus think about children? What did he think about children? His disciples got frustrated because it was a custom of the Jews that when there was a rabbi that was in the area in town, parents would come and bring their children and have the rabbi lay hands on them and pray a blessing over their children. And so his disciples, they thought Jesus had no time for kids. He has no time to deal with the kids because he's, he, he's a busy man. He has really important things to take care of and there's no time to deal with the next generation. He's got more miracles to do, more messages to, more messages to preach. And look what happened in Mark chapter 10. And they were bringing the children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. What does that mean? He was angry. He was angry at his disciples. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. I keep saying I love it because I just love it so much. I love it. I just see the picture. They're precious little kids, loving them, blessing them, praying for them. Why did Jesus have that heart? Because he saw the hope. He saw the potential. He saw that in the heart of a child, there's just this faith and this trust. And as, as we get older, that faith and that trust takes hits because of difficulties, because of challenges, because of pain. But if we could go back to the heart of a child, simply trusting the Lord. Our children have indispensable value in the life of this church. And one of the primary reasons we exist as mom and dads as spiritual moms and dads, as spiritually mature leaders, one of the primary reasons we exist is to, is to mentor the next generation, is to raise them up. And that's my second point as we transition here. So the first thought that I get as I thought about Timothy and Epaphroditus is that we need to be reminded that the kids in our life, our own children and our spiritual children and those are part of Living Word Church, they have indispensable value in the local church. But secondly... Here's what's important for us to understand is that the wisdom of the, of the mature are like shoulders to stand on. The wisdom of the mature are like shoulders to stand on. This is the privilege we have, all of us adults, all of us that have kids, all of us that are called, that are older, that are mature, that are experienced, that the wisdom that we have, the experiences the Lord has used in our life to teach us, the wisdom we've gained from his word, they're like shoulders for that indispensable generation to stand on. We have a place, we have a calling 
to play in this church to mentor the next generation. What did, what, what did the Apostle Paul say about Timothy? He said, he said, but do you know, but you know Timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father. That has to be our attitude about this next generation, that we have the opportunity to father them to mother them. For how to, we, we have an opportunity to give them our shoulders and to, and to say, hey, here, stand on me. Let me be the one that mentors you, that trains you. You stand on the experiences that I have had. And what are, what are the qualities of Timothy and Epaphroditus that, that we saw when we read how Paul described them? He said about Timothy that there's no one like him. He said about Epaphroditus, he said that he was almost, he was willing to to lay down his life for the gospel. He said about Timothy, he said that there's no one like him who will care about the interest of others and about Christ more than his own. Those are the qualities that that Paul described Timothy and Epaphroditus. And here's what I want to tell you, that unless we mentor our next generation with those same qualities, those qualities will not be developed in them. And what are those qualities? I put them in a nutshell here. It's a love for Christ and his gospel. A heart of humility and a willingness to serve. A love for Christ and his gospel. A heart of humility and a willingness to serve. We must mentor them with these same qualities, adults. We must mentor them with the same qualities that we want to see in their life. We must have a heart for Christ and his gospel. We must have a humility and a willingness to serve. If we want to see in our kids what is good and godly and holy and right and, and, self, and not self-seeking, we must mentor them in that same way. Have you ever tried to tell your kids to do something that, 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 that you don't do? Have, have you ever done something and your kids model you and you say, don't do that? You know, do as I say, not as I do, doesn't work. Do as I say, not as I do, doesn't work. We have to have the mindset that in our life, if we want to see good, godly qualities into the next generation, we must mentor them with those same qualities. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, one of the most uh, profound, humbling scriptures about example. He said this about himself. Can you imagine saying this? He said, he said, be an imitator of me as I follow Christ. Can you imagine that's what we're called to do? Adults, mentors, spiritual leaders, grandparents, grandparents. We're called to look at the next generation and we're called to say, follow my example. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's the great calling that we have. We're saying here, stand on my shoulders. Follow the example of my life. How many of you, adults, parents, grandparents, spiritual leaders, how many of you have failed in your life? Any failures in here? Am I the only failure here this morning? Anybody failed, made mistakes? Had experiences where you learned the hard way? Ever learned the hard way? We've all learned the hard way through our sins, through our mistakes, through making bad decisions. You know what? Those are opportunities for us to look at the next generation and say, hey, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Stop. I see where you're going. I see what you're about to do. I see that decision you're, you're leaning towards. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Here, come stand on my shoulder real quick. Come stand on the wisdom and the experience I've learned. I've gone down that road. I've experienced that. I've made that mistake. I've connected with that type of person. I've made those choices. You don't want to go there. Here, come stand on my shoulders. 
It should be the cry of our heart that we're ready and willing, ready and willing to give our shoulders to our young people and say, here, come and stand on this wisdom and this experience because we recognize that our kids have indispensable value and we want to see those godly attributes develop in their life. There is great power in example. There's great power. Our desire, what we should desire is to say, young people, follow the example or the pattern of our life. With tears in our eyes, we want to plead with our sons and daughters. You don't have to go that way. You don't have to experience this pain to find the right path. You ever thought about that with your kids? You don't have to experience this pain that I experienced to know that that's the wrong path. With tears in our eyes, we want to plead and say, stand on my shoulders. I, I burned that bridge. I made that mistake. I failed. I royally blew it. You don't have to go there. It's this relationship that we have with, as kids and adults that we go back and forth with our kids and we, we love each other, we serve each other, we mentor, and, and our kids grow up and they mature and they learn from the wisdom that God's given us. Partners together in the gospel. I thought about, I thought about Proverbs 4. Listen to this. Listen to this heart that we should have as mentors, as leaders, as parents. This is, the, this is Proverbs 4. Listen to this. Hero sons, a father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, for she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. Do you hear the, the, the call of wisdom to the next generation? Listen to my insight and to my wisdom. I've been there. I've done that. I've experienced it. The, we are needed as spiritual mentors and parents and guides in the life of our children. These indispensable children that are part of this ministry, are part of our family. They need us. They need to be able to stand on our shoulders and we want to cry out to them, listen to our instruction. Listen to the precepts and the teachings that we're able to give you. Listen to Proverbs 5. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. Sharp as a two-edged sword, her feet go down to death. We want to be able to tell our kids, it doesn't end good where you're going. It doesn't end good. Come stand on my shoulders. My experience and the wisdom God's given me are like shoulders for the next generation to stand on. We are called to mentor our sons and our daughters physically and spiritually into maturity. They have indispensable value and purpose within the life of the church and we should never marginalize them and we should prioritize mentoring and discipling. And what's the goal? The goal is maturity. The goal is that they would have these qualities developed in their life that they have a heart for the gospel. They have a heart for Christ. They have a heart to serve. Doesn't it, take, doesn't it give you great joy when you see your kids loving the Lord? Serving the Lord, worshiping Him with all their heart. It's going to take us consistently as spiritual mentors and leaders, not giving up on them, not looking at them as a burden and saying, Listen, let me teach you, let me mentor you, stand on my shoulders. It's great support. I want to give you great support. I want to mentor you into maturity. I want to mentor you into maturity. Listen to what Paul 
Listen to how Paul describes Timothy now. He calls him his child in 1 Timothy 1. He calls him his child in 1 Timothy 4. Listen to what he says in 1 Timothy 6. He says this to Timothy. But as for you, O man of God. It's the first time Paul said this to Timothy. But as for you, O man of God. Flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. That's what we want. We want our children to go from children to, from boys to men, from, from girls to women. But you, oh man of God, but you who are spiritually mature because I've taken the time and God has used me to give you wisdom and insight. But as for you, oh man of God, it's maturity that we're after. We want to see it developed in their life. It's next generation. So that why? So that the gospel can move forward. So that the gospel can live on past me. So it can live on past you. So it can live on past this generation right here. Here's what I want to tell you. These things I've just brought out here, the indispensable value of our next generation and, and the value of spiritually mature leaders in the church. Those are all good things and we want to continue to focus on those things. We can never lose sight of that reality. But it is becoming increasingly difficult in this world to point our kids to what is godly. It is a challenge in our society today. You know, we're not promised that the gospel is going to move forward into the next generation. You know, when you look at these, 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 these statistics today about church attendance, more and more high school graduates as they leave high school going into college, they're dropping out of church attendance more and more and more. Because as they're going to college, they're hearing things that are challenging their faith. They're hearing things that are coming up against what God has spoken to them through your life as as a parent, through your life as a youth pastor, as a spiritual leader or a mentor. They're hearing things that contradict and come against and they don't don't know how to handle it and deal with it. and and, And they're disconnecting and they're leaving the church more and more as we go on. And here's what I know is true. Is that if we're not careful, if we sit on the sideline and we take a back seat to this. We're not guaranteed that the gospel will move forward into the next generation of our kids and our grandkids. We have to be devoted to this calling that they're valuable and that they're needed and that we must see a gospel impact into the next generation. We have to see a gospel impact into the next generation. So here's my admonition. Here's my final thought. Here's what I want to tell you. Next generation gospel impact is an urgent need. Next generation gospel impact is an urgent need. This is what I'm, all this I'm saying here is not so that you can just have cute, so we can just have cute, polite kids who obey us. That's not what this is about so that our kids can behave. This is about the gospel moving forward to the next generation. Next generation gospel impact is an urgent need. As we look to the future of our world, of our country, of our church, and of our families, it is increasingly becoming difficult to pass on biblical, biblical convictions to the next generation. It's becoming increasingly difficult to pass on biblical, biblical convictions. Why is that? Why is it increasingly difficult? Because the noise of the culture is louder today than it has ever been. The noise of the culture has never been louder. The access that the young people have to non-biblical values have, has never come in this many platforms. Non-biblical messages are coming in so many different places. You can't even keep up with them. They're everywhere. 
all kinds of different apps, all kinds of different social media platforms, all kinds of different websites, all, all kinds of different TV shows, relationships at high school, at junior high, middle school, everywhere, elementary school, impact from kids that are not in biblically based homes, impacting our kids across the board, so many different avenues and platforms. And it's out there at, 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 at a greater rate because of media. Because of the media, because of the age of the internet, because of the smartphone, your kids carry around with them instant access to the world and all the things that you don't want them to know about and take part in. They have it right here in the palm of their hand. And those messages are loud and those messages are compelling. And the enemy uses those messages to go after our kids' hearts because he wants to hook them. He wants to get his tentacles into the hearts of our kids. And I just want to warn you as parents, if you're not aware of what your kids are doing on their phones, you need to be. If you're a parent and you allow your kids unhindered access to the internet on their phone, you don't need to do that. It's dangerous. There's so much garbage and filth. And there are so many, there's so many ungodly men and women that are out there that are ready to prey on your kids. I'm trying to scare you. Because it's real. It's true. Watch. If you, have, if you don't know, if you're not looking at it, if you're not guarding, you're not protecting, somebody else is going to come in through that smartphone. Someone else is going to come in through that website. Someone else is going to come in through the shows. What are, what are our kids watching? The, the messages are louder. They're coming faster each and every year. The standard of biblical morality that used to be a norm in our country is gone. It's gone. It's not here anymore. What you have is remnants of it. It's not the majority. It's the minority of standard. And the message they're, they're hearing, everything is, all, all the non-biblical standards are normalized. You know, I'm thinking about that with my kids. When you're talking about marriage and family and the definition of marriage and the definition of sexuality, just that subject alone. I have a 13-year-old son. I don't doubt that for our 12, 13-year-olds, you go 10 years from now, go 10 years, just 10 years from now, when they're in their early 20s, it will be completely, completely 100% normal in our society for the whole, for, for all of it to be completely changed, and, and, it, and it's actually backwards to think that there's only one standard. Right now, there's remnants of it, but the, the, the increase of this information is getting out so fast, and more and more people that are popular in our, in our culture, in our world, are fighting for those agendas. Gospel impact in the next generation is an urgent need. And we must awaken to it. Our kids are not a burden. They're not a problem for us to manage. They are a mission field for us to devote our life to. And if we fail to do it, we fail to do it, we miss the mark. The noise is relentless. The voices are constant. The intimidation, consistent. The pressure on ourselves and on our kids to cave in to the sway of the world is steady like the waves of the ocean. Waves of the ocean, they, it doesn't stop coming. The tide that doesn't stop coming in. And that's what we're dealing with. It's kind, of, it's kind of like this megaphone. It's like this megaphone. We have our messages that we're trying to share we have, we have our messages that we're trying to share to speak to our kids. And I, I, I got a microphone, and sometimes I speak loudly to my kids. 
I'm trying to speak loudly and forcefully and impactfully into their life. I want them to hear the truth of the gospel. But the world is like this megaphone that won't go away. And I want to demonstrate to you what that looks like, what that sounds like. Matt, why don't you come up and help me? I'm going to speak some godly messages. And I want you just to, I want you to hear, just as, as an example, what it would be like to have a pest of a person speaking things that are not true and godly. Bye, check. So I'm going to say what's good and true and holy, and Matt's going to say what's not. And this is, this is what the world is like. They're not going to stop. They're going to try to speak, parents, they're going to try to speak over your influence constantly in all these different avenues. Speak over what you say. Speak over and, and, and bring more influence because, look, we're not cool anymore as parents, as spiritual leaders. And all these ones that are out there, they look cool, they dress cool, they make the music that is impactful and the movies and the, and the TV shows. And so if we're not careful, the voice, our voice as spiritual leaders can be drowned out, and that's what they want. This is what it, it might sound like. You ready, Matt? God's word is true and shows us the way of true. salvation. God is faithful if even God in the middle true, of tragedy. Don't trust your feelings. Okay. God's word is a faithful guide. God's ways are better than our ways. Obeying God and his word is always There's the pathway like to peace. If it makes you happy, that's all that matters. God's plan for sex and marriage is good. Fulfill your own dreams. Life is about you. Don't live for yourself. Live for others and for the glory of God. If you're not happy, get out of that marriage. Stay committed. Fight for your marriage. You deserve to be happy. It's the constant message. Thank you, Matt. It's the constant message. It's the constant influence. And, it, and it's not going to go away. This is a small megaphone. Theirs is, a, theirs is a lot bigger. This is one person speaking, but it's tens of thousands speaking the other messages. Next generation gospel impact is an urgent need, and we will be committed. I will be committed as a Father, and as a pastor, I will be committed to ensuring that we as a church are committed to raising up this next generation and impacting them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I will always be the purpose of Home of Christian School. Always. And Jimmy, Jimmy is 100, 100% on board with that. That is the cry of his heart that our school, which is a ministry of this church, will always have as, as the number one priority to influence this next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, we want them to get a 30 on the ACT and we want them to go to Harvard. But if they get a 30 on the ACT and they go to Harvard and, and they don't know Jesus, it is all for nothing. It's all for nothing. I never quoted Toby Mac in a sermon before, but it's time. Right now, I'm going to quote me some Toby Mac. Who's ever heard Toby Mac's song, The Elements? The, the Elements. I was listening to that song, and it came out a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago. I'm driving in my car, and I, just, I wanted to, like, jump out of the car, jump out of my skin. I wanted to, was like, yes, that is like, ah. Uh, uh, Toby Mac hit a nerve in my heart with what we're dealing with in our culture. And, and what I'm talking about is, are, are, are the elements that our kids are living in. The elements that we are living in. And listen to the lyrics of Toby Mac speaking about what we've been talking about. It's going to kind of sound funny because he's a hip-hop kind of artist here. So some of these words are going to sound funny, but I'm going to read them as they're written. I laced the boots up. It's straight for the door. 
Because this is worth fighting for. I get my head right, the heart's got to follow. Whisper a prayer like there ain't no tomorrow. Take a breath and I exhale slow. I wasn't made for this kind of cold. This ain't the kind of place that you want to know. These are the elements I'm telling you, bro. This world is up in my grill. Your face. (laughs) This world is up in my grill. This world is shooting to kill. This world's always got to be still in my heart. This world's always trying to rip my family apart. This ain't our home, nah, not even close. They camouflage like we're fighting some ghost. You start to doubt everything that you know. I feel the heat and it's starting to show. They try to break us, break us, make us want to give in. Lay down our arms, Novocaine us again. Lay down a fight I could never relent. And I'm going to take it all the way to the end. And of course the course goes, I fight the elements. Fight the elements. Well, I, I, got, I got a bridge to read here. Listen to this. Father God, let me see it for what it is. This ain't neutral we're up against. These elements push me to the fence. And then I end on top of it if I'm not careful. To recognize what is pushing in. Open my eyes to see these elements. Stand up and rise to these elements. I'm willing to fight. I'm willing to fight the elements. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go home and download the elements. For those of you who don't listen to hip-hop, or go down and bob your head, listen to it. I'm telling you, after this message, you're going to be pumped up. You know, there was a generation in Bible days, generation of godly people who didn't pass on a biblical heritage. It was lost in a generation. It was the Joshua generation. The Joshua generation, they inherited the promised land. But it says that the generation after them did not follow the ways of the Lord. And I want to read this in Judges chapter 2. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his own inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders and outlived Joshua who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at age 110. And they buried him with the boundaries of his inheritance in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountains. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Listen to this. And the people of Israel, this next generation, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the, and the, and the Asherah. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them to the hand of their surrounding enemies so they could no longer withstand their enemies. Wow. Lost in a generation. Why? Because a generation of the parents, of the grandparents, of the spiritual leaders and the mentors. I don't know all the exact reasons, but for whatever reasons, they didn't pass it on. 
They didn't remind their kids and their grandkids, do you remember? Let me tell you, you were not born yet, but let me tell you what our Father God did in the wilderness. Let me tell you how he worked his miracles. Let me tell you how my shoes never quit growing. Let me tell you how my grandfather, my great, my great grandfather was brought over onto dry land as the, as, as Egypt, as the Egyptians were chasing us. Let me tell you that God is good and faithful and righteous. Somehow it was not communicated. But we're not going to let that happen on, on, on our watch. We're going to raise up the next generation. We're going to say, as Psalm 78 says, this is what we're going to do. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears into the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. But tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. That's what we're going to do. We're going to open our mouth and we're going to declare it. Amen? Amen. Won't you stand to your feet with me? Stand to your feet with me. Partners in the gospel, young and old, we are partners in the gospel. This is what a congregation is, partners in the gospel. The Lord birthed the work here over 40 years ago. He birthed a work. And each person has a vital part to play. Take one person out and we begin to lose our stability. Just like that Jenga set that Pastor Matt talked about. You start, people start disconnecting from what God is doing here. And their place in the body, instability comes. And as you're connected with the body, we encourage each other's faith when we suffer well. We pray for one another with love and joy because we're partnered together in the gospel. We strive side by side in unity for gospel advancement. The strength and energy of the young running with the wisdom of the old. Did you hear that? The strength and the energy of the young running with the wisdom of the old. Committing ourselves to preaching, praying, serving, mentoring, discipling, and evangelizing all for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, I want to pray for our kids today. I want to pray for the kids. I know that next Sunday is the fifth Sunday and more of our kids will be in here. But God called this message for today. And so I know there's some young people that are in here. If you're next to a young person, you're next to somebody that is uh, younger, <laughs> I want you to put your hand on them. If they, if, ask their permission. <laughs> and we're going to pray for them. And we're going to pray for your kids. Maybe some of you have kids here today. Do you have kids here today? Kids here today that aren't serving the Lord? They're not following the ways of the Lord? I know that there's, there's parents here, grandparents, that are grieving over the fact that maybe your kids are not serving the Lord. Let's pray for them this morning. Once you bow your heads. God, we thank you for the privilege that we have as, as parents, as grandparents, as spiritual mentors, and spiritual leaders within this church 
We thank you for the privilege, Lord, of valuing this next generation. This next generation, they're not a hindrance. They're not a burden. They're our mission field. They're the ones that we're called to raise up, to mentor, to disciple. And God, I pray for this next generation. I pray that they would find their voice within the family of God. I pray that they would find their place. And I pray that the giftings and the callings that you have placed on them, I pray that we as mentors and parents would recognize those giftings and not stifle them but mentor them in those giftings and give room and opportunity for them to serve. God, I thank you for a congregation of young and old coming together for the purpose of partnering for the advancement of the gospel. And Lord, I pray for all those children here today, young and and old that don't know you. God, I pray for those parents and those grandparents that are grieving the, the fact that their kids aren't serving you. I pray, God, that you'd bring them in in a moment time you can save you can remind the seed of your word never dies the seed of your word never dies and it will return it will not return void but it will accomplish what it has been sent to do and that is what we believe for every young person in our influence we pray this in jesus name amen amen Amen. i love you i'll see you next week